deck the halls. I can't wait for goddamn Christmas. Don't do that. All right? This goes in Christmas time. Christmas. Do you know what Christmas is? You know what Christmas is, Billy. You do? You know, Rudolph what do you is on think TV. I'm, what do you think, I'm dumb? Yeah, I, th- I think you're a little dumb sometimes. Little Cut it out, Billy, or I'm not going to do it. Right. Just listen. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. I feel depressed. I know I should be happy, but I'm not. I've killed it. Oh, everything I touch gets ruined. Everything I do turns into a disaster. Don't you know sarcasm when you hear it? 
Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. This is why I should never play Santa. Hey, it's me, Chris T., here on Aerial View with my Chris T. Mess 2019. The Chris T. Mess is a tradition. Been around many, many years. And uh, it changes every year, because every year is different. So this Chris T. Mess will be different from all the ones that have gone in the past. And you may never have heard one before, so... Christmas is... Uh, a scant five days away, and uh, we're going to talk about it tonight. We're going to talk about the origin of my name, how I got to be a Christopher, and uh, we're going to talk about your phone calls to Santa, like if you were to make a phone call to Santa, let's say. At 760-I-CALL-AV, 760-422-5528. That number is in Palm Springs. I am not. Here where I am, in the Hawk, on the eastern seaboard, in the state of New Jersey, in the county of Hudson, and in the Hawk, it's like 23 goddamn degrees, so... It's definitely not Palm Springs. You know, when you live in an old house like we do, sometimes you can just feel the wind blowing through the house. It gets in, gets in through the masonry, through the bricks, when the wind is really blowing. And you feel it down by floor level, you know, like heat rises. So you don't maybe feel it up by you, but if you kneel down for some reason and you bend down, you're like, oh. What's with all the cold air? <laughs> so you could warm up just by calling a phone number in Palm Springs. 760-I-CALL-AV. 760-422-5528. I like to imagine the phone being answered in a tasteful mid-century modern, of course, with a pool and central air conditioning. Go for one of those right about now because we need a little Christmas right this very moment. Now, um, Christmas when I was a kid, when I was a kid, um, I always liked it. I, I liked the uh trappings of Christmas, as I've said to Sweet Tea before. I'm all into the trappings for me, it's about the trappings of Christmas. The lights, the sounds, the smells, the tastes. It's all it's, it's a, all the heady mix. Uh, of course some of the music you could do without. It's a, it's it's horrible and repetitive and I don't get tired of the lights unless we're talking about the year when they came out with the LED Christmas lights and and they hadn't gotten it quite right. And you still see these sometimes. They're just, they're not, they don't put off a warm glow. They, they, they just sort of like attack your irises and they, they're harsh and ugly. And, you know, that was the first few years. They since have gotten it right. They, they, they've learned how to make them look, you know, more like pleasing to the eye. I, I don't know what that is, what it consists of, but you know it when you see it. It's one of those things, you know it when you see it. So I'm, I'm all into the trappings. I like the trappings. And when I was a kid, I was, uh, I was fascinated with the Christmas tree. We, uh, we would make a whole goddamn ritual out of it, putting up a tree. And we had a particular way that it was done, that my mother wanted it done. And uh, it's going to sound ludicrous at first, but just stick with me. It, it might end up being even more ludicrous. I don't know. The number here is 760-422-5528. 760-I-CALL-AV. If you want to join the program, the live line into the studio. This is live internet radio on the houndnyc.com. At goddamn Christmas time. Uh, 
so the, the way that we would put up the tree is that we would get all these milk crates, right? And we would set them on end so they were taller than, you know, squatter. On the tall end, I should say. And then uh, we would take this big semicircle of uh, chipboard or plywood or whatever it was that I don't know if my grandfather made it or my father made it. Somebody made this thing, and it was just like a semicircular platform. Uh, I would say it was about, oh, five feet wide, maybe three feet deep, maybe six feet wide, four feet deep. I don't know where that thing ended up, but somebody, and again, I don't know, I'm, I'm guessing my grandfather did this, had uh, laid out like roads on the on the top of this piece of masonite or chipboard or plywood or whatever the hell it was. And uh, he used glue to glue down what uh, was supposed to look like grass. And then, you know, the road would be this gray path through the grass and there were two roads. They came in from the from the back side of the piece of masonite, the uh, the the big the big side, right? If you cut a circle in half, it would be that side, and uh, and the roads would lead where? Where would the roads lead? The roads would lead to the manger, which my grandfather also built out of some kind of scrap wood. I don't know what he illuminated it with a single electric uh, bulb, little tiny blue bulb that sh you shoved in through a back window of the manger and uh, and, it, and it bathed everything in an ungodly blue glow. It was great. I loved it. And then my grandmother, who taught ceramics in the basement of her home in Copaig on Long Island for some extra income, created a whole nativity scene. Fired all these figures of Joseph and Mary and the three wise men and the goats and the camels and the sheep and the God knows what. Spent hours down in the basement creating these things. Uh, you know, you would buy a mold. You, it, they weren't created from scratch, but you would buy a mold from a catalog and then you would uh, do the, the ceramic thing in the mold and then you would finish the figure by hand painting it. And, uh, and some of the stuff was really spectacular. But that would go on the piece of masonite or chipboard or plywood or whatever the hell it was. With the roads leading to the manger, you'd put the manger right in the middle with the roads curving in front of. Because the two roads would connect and become like one road in front of the manger. Because, you know, you got to really handle the traffic on the way to see the Christ child, right? Going to get a lot of traffic. Uh, this is the Chris T. Mess on thehoundnyc.com. The phone number here is 760-I-CALL-AV, 760-422-5528. Live line into the studio. And uh, the manger would sit there, and the manger had some straw in it. And in the manger, you had to put the donkey and then uh, and, and like a lamb. Because the lamb is you know, the Christ child, right? So lamb and donkey. Donkey, I guess, is the Democrats. I, I I don't really know. I never really parsed it out why the donkey went in the manger. But I, I was following orders. That's basically... Put the donkey in that corner. Lamb in that corner. And then there was just enough room for Joseph and Mary and this creche, I guess you would call it. Whatever the hell the thing you would set the infant Jesus in. And of course, you couldn't put the infant baby Jesus in the thing until December 25th. So... Mostly it sat there with, like, where's Jesus? Jesus is nowhere to be found. Jesus hasn't shown up yet. Just an empty crèche or whatever the hell you call it. Where you'd put the baby in his swaddling clothes. Because of the virgin birth and, you know, Christ, Son of God, all that stuff. But I just was fascinated with all the crap that went along with it. The the ritual of the the, the, the milk crates and the masonite or chipboard or plywood or whatever the hell it was and setting that out and get the mangered place just right and make sure the donkey's in one corner, the lamb's in the other corner, make sure that it's uh, all ready to go, receptive, waiting for the infant baby Jesus to show up. And, uh, and that was just the beginning. I mean, just getting that set was just the beginning because then you had to deal with the tree. You had to deal with getting the tree into the stand and getting the tree uh, on the stand uh, on top of the masonite or chipboard or 
plywood or whatever the hell it was and making sure that it wasn't going to tip over in the middle of the night. One of the cats wasn't going to climb up the goddamn thing and pull it down. One year, my father, so frustrated by what had happened the year before when the Christmas tree had been pulled down in the middle of the night by one of the cats, he attached guy wires to the top of the goddamn thing and screwed them into the opposing walls because the tree was tucked into a corner. And So if you came over and you saw our tree, you're like, hey, what's with the... Huh? Wires? And I think uh, we even tried to the disguise the wires by hanging Christmas cards off it, but it looked ridiculous. You know, there's these Christmas cards six feet up in the air and headed for the top of a tree. And <sighs> There's breaking news. And, and just because... Just because... This kind of sounds like a teletype. What the hell? I'll do the breaking news over this shit. NASCAR legend Junior Johnson, who won 50 races as a driver and six top-level championships as an owner, has died at age 88. That's pretty good age. That's uh, above the, the, the median, isn't it? He lived longer than the median, just above it. He beat the odds on the over or under. Junior Johnson... <laughs> what a great stock car driving name. Junior Johnson in the 68 Skull car. I don't know what his number was. I don't remember. The only number I've managed to remember all these years is Richard Petty, number 43. I don't know why. It might have been the Plymouth Superbird. The number here is 760-I-CALL-AV, 760-422-5528. If you'd like to join us on this Christine mess. A mere five days before Christmas, which I was saying I was fascinated by as a kid and the ritual of the Christmas tree, putting this goddamn thing up. Uh, it was my father's responsibility for quite a while, but then uh, at some point it fell to me. And I think that point would have been after, after my parents' divorce. So like when my father was out of the house and living in Westchester or Scarsdale or wherever the hell he had gone to. Uh, it was my, I became the tree technician, chief tree technician. So I would be the one putting the thing up, getting the base out, the nativity installed, the tree in the stand, the tree in the stand on top of the masonite chipboard, plywood, whatever. And then uh, getting all the lights out from storage. The lights and the ornaments and the garland and the tinsel. All the stuff that was required to uh, essentially co-opt a pagan ritual. Dra dragging a tree into your home. Cutting down a tree. The Christians saw that and they said, Hey, these pagans seem to like that whole Tannenbaum thing. Maybe we should do that. Yeah, sure, call it a Christmas tree. What the hell? So we had we had fallen into this ritual. We were, you know, my mother's side was Roman Catholic. And my father's side was Greek Orthodox. I believe there were, this led to some kind of split in the family. Weird, weird split. I, we had these Greek Orthodox relatives, my uncle, and we would go visit them, and they wouldn't necessarily be, uh, you know, on board with Christmas yet. Their Christmas was like two weeks down the road and I always thought they were just trying to save money on stuff going to the sales the after Christmas sales and they were like you know what Christmas is a little later on it's not on the 25th no one really knows it's all bullshit by the way I mean the whole Christmas you know this I'm not telling you anything you don't know but the whole Christmas thing is, 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 is like a pastiche is what you would call it with the church pulling from all these different things. The sun celebration, the S-U-N sun celebration became the celebration of the sun who was supposedly born on December 25th with the star that led the three wise men, blah, blah, blah. You heard the whole thing. And I remember listening to this as a kid and going, really? This all sounds really implausible. The whole thing just sounds implausible. I can't buy into this. I want to. I mean, I'm setting out all these beautiful ceramic pieces my grandmother made 
in her basement, put it, firing them in her own kiln, painting them herself. Now, one year I asked my sister where the rest of the nativity ended up. This is years later. My mother's gone. Where did it all end up? The, the semicircle of uh, masonite or chipboard, plywood, whatever it was. The, uh, the manger, the hand-built manger with the blue bulb that went in the back. The wise men, the animals, Mary, Joseph... My sister said, maybe Mark? Just two words, meaning maybe my brother Mark got it. All well, speaking of stock cars down in Stock Car Central, Mooresville, North Carolina. Maybe it's all down there. I don't know. I'm not sure how he would have gotten them. I'm not sure when it was all divvied up. But in the last decade of her life, my mother was doing that typical thing of giving stuff away, divesting herself of certain items, designating certain items for certain family members. Like, I, I still remember her her bedroom was next to the bathroom, and then there was another bathroom at the far end of the, ba- the bedroom. They, 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 like, added a bathroom so they wouldn't have to share this one bathroom with five children, my parents at some point. So I was stepping out of the bathroom, the the... the our bathroom, not their bathroom. Don't go in their bathroom. Who went in my bathroom? Uh, I have to admit, I snuck into their bathroom all the time. It was it was a better bathroom. It's more privacy back there. So it was usually me going in there. But I was coming out of the other bathroom when my mother... Psst, psst, and, and I had to step inside the bedroom, and she pulled open this drawer, this center drawer on this low dresser, and pulled out this, uh, this box, blue, little blue box, two by four inches, three by five inches, something like that. And she opened it up, and there was this Maltese cross that I had always admired as a kid. Chrome-plated, I think. I don't even know if it's silver anything like that. It looks like chrome plate. But it's old, right? It was old when she had it. It's on a nice chain. She said, do you want this? And I said, yeah. I mean, I, I'd wanted it a long time. I was fascinated with that thing as a kid. The hell are these? Who are the hell are these Maltese people? What the hell are those people? I would say to myself, Maltese? Maltese? What the hell is that? Like the Maltese Falcon? Of course, years later, I would find out through 23andMe that I'm like 74.8% Italian. And then the other 25% is, yes, Maltese. So even like the Greek side of my family. Where's the Greek side? That's what I want to know. Where do they all end up? Um. Now, I... The conversation with my sister made me remember that I I had this baby Jesus for years. I had this tiny little two-and-a-half, three-inch baby Jesus in a tiny little Abraham and Strauss box from the Abraham and Strauss uh, there on Montauk Highway, also known as Merrick Road, in West Babylon. It might have been Babylon by then. I'm not really sure. But I think it was West Babylon, where the ANS was. And ANS always had the best uh, Christmas display, by the way. They always had the most kitted out. Like they would take over a whole floor upstairs and turn it into goddamn Santa Land. And there'd be fucking toys as far as the eye could see. And Santa. Oh, my friends, you should have seen it. The number here is 760-I-CALL-AB, 760-422-5528. This is the Chris T. Mess 2019, and uh, and a little bit of the origin of my name. But also, I want to hear about your phone calls to Santa, and then we'll have a Yuletide Upside Down update. So, uh, I went and found a little tiny Abraham and Strauss box, because it wasn't stashed away with the other Christmas shit in the garage. For some reason, I kept it in this uh, bookcase in our in our living room. So I went and got it, 
It was there alongside the antique uh, brass tree topper that my mother also gave me when she was divesting herself of shit. She gave me two of these brass tree toppers that my dad had brought home. I kind of remembered him finding them somewhere and bringing them home. And they're old. And one of them is, I swear I would love to use this one because it's like an upside down five-pointed star. It's like a satanic star. And uh, it did. I, I'm not sure that flew with sweet tea, putting that on top of the tree. But uh, one of these years, and this this would be the year if I was going to haul that thing out. This would be the year to put that one on top of the tree because it's been that kind of year. The whole damn thing has been upside down. But I'll, I'll we'll do an upside down update a little bit later. I pull out this Abraham and Strauss box, where uh, the infant baby Jesus is basically living all year long. And I notice a break where his left arm joins his torso. And I don't know. I might have known about this break and forgotten it. But it's obvious the arm was glued back on at some point. And I dimly recall my grandmother even making a replacement Jesus. Where's that one? Hopefully that one's with the rest of the nativity. I hate to think of like forever... There's a nativity in a manger over there and a creche or whatever the hell it's called uh, where you put the, put, the, put the baby in the swaddling clothes. I, I'd like to think that they're not forever disunited, if that's a word. Will they forever be separated? Will I forever have the infant baby Jesus over here and the rest of the kid is somewhere else? I don't think so. I think she made a replacement Jesus. And you know, that means I have the original Jesus. Which is cool because, you know, whenever I would start to ponder my name, Christopher, as a kid, I remember getting interested at one point. Why? Why am I named Christopher? Why? I, I know a lot of other kids. Not a lot of Christophers or Chris's. So I start to look it up. And, and this is uh, in an encyclopedia. You know, they hadn't invented the internet. So went to the library, where, wherever the hell. We, we, we had an encyclopedia at home. My family had, like, the World Book Encyclopedia, whatever the fuck it was. That thing, that, that thing probably burned real well, I'm sure. And I look it up, and it's like, it means bearing of Christ. Bearing Christ. What does that mean? Like, like forbearing? Like, I, I, can, I can bear Christ. Like, okay. Or what does it mean? And then I read on further. It's about St. Christopher, the martyr, who supposedly carried the Christ child, and not just the Christ child, many others. There's like thousands. He was, he was, he's usually depicted as a giant of a man with a big beard. And so there was this dangerous river. And he carried travelers across this dangerous river. And one of those travelers, it turns out, was the Christ child. Shh. And so he became Christopher, St. Christopher. And uh, as he was carrying the Christ child across the river, in the middle of the river, he really thought he was going to be swept away. This big, strong man with a beard thinks, well, this river's going to just up and take me and this kid on my back. But uh, it doesn't happen. He gets to the other side. He puts the kid down. And then lo and behold, the kid is like, guess what? It was me, Jesus, all along. You carried me across the river. St. Christopher's like, what? What? So now, what does he do when he does this, right? Oh, and then Jesus goes on to say a bunch of stuff about, yeah, you know, that's why things I felt so heavy, because I am carrying the weight of the world, because, by the way, I'm the son of God, so, yeah, yeah, I was heavy. Sure, man. But uh, by doing this, St. Christopher pisses off the king. What king? I don't know. Some goddamn king. He not only pisses him off by doing that. He pisses him off by converting 
lots and lots of people to Christianity. He becomes like a, you know, disciple. And uh, so what does he get for his trouble, St. Christopher? And and, and I, I still remember this story because I was like, damn. Y- you know? Damn. For his trouble, he gets decapitated. That's what happens to St. Christopher. They chop off his head. And uh, he becomes a, a martyr. He becomes a, a martyr because he refused to help the king uh, basically murder Christians. King was like, you know, these Christians, they're messing up my game. You know, all this stuff about a rich man has a better chance of passing through the eye of a needle than getting into the kingdom of heaven crap, and I'm really, really rich because I'm the king, and now there's a rebellion upon the land, and I I don't know if I like this. you got to help me. Help me. Help me kill these Christians. And then St. Christopher's like, yeah, not so much. Not going to do it. Sorry. And uh, the king even sends a couple of temptresses couple of temptresses to convince St. Christopher to help the king eradicate Christian. And he and he turns them into Christians. See? Talks to them all night and in the morning <laughs> they wake up and they're Christians. And the king is like, what? So he realizes, yeah, well, didn't want to go to this step was really hoping to avoid this step because I kind of like you, Christopher. And uh, but now I got to cut your head off. It's your pain in my ass, and you're messing up things. So uh, sorry about that. Just want to let you know it's nothing personal. So. Uh, Off when he gets out of here. He's going to cut all your heads off when he gets out of here. Because that's what you got coming. So he pisses off the king, gets his head cut off, but now uh, he becomes the wildly, widely popular patron saint of travel and travelers and protects against sudden death. Not like in hockey, sudden death. Not that sudden death. The other sudden death. Will you suddenly die? And he's a bulwark against lightning, too, and pestilence. And uh, according to Wikipedia now, because we burnt the World Book Encyclopedia, he holds, quote, patronage for archers, bachelors, boatmen, soldiers, bookbinders, epilepsy, floods, fruit dealers, fullers, Gardeners, a holy death, mariners, market carriers, motorists and drivers, sailors, storms, surfers, toothache, mountaineering, and transportation workers. I had no idea. Oh, by the way, close quote. I had no idea, and I'm named after him, St. Christopher. And, uh... And I'm okay. I'm okay with being named Chris. I never had a problem with being a Christopher. I mean, they would rhyme Chris with piss when I was in school. It's an easy rhyme. It's cheap. It's kind of hacky now that I think about it. But it happened. Not going to lie. I try not to lie to you folks. The number here is 760-422-5528. 760-I-CALL-AV. This is Aerial View. On the houndnyc.com with uh, new hound shows every Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, followed by Crashing the Party with Mark and Miriam at uh, 5 p.m. Eastern Time. What's that order again? Well, the hound howl at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and then Crashing the Party right there at uh, 5 p.m. Again, all times Eastern. I thought I was going to try to multitask during this show and 
decorate our tree, but we, we put our tree up weeks ago. No need to multitask. I wonder if other people are unhappy with their names, because I've always been happy with being a Christopher or a Chris. Calling me Christopher uh, brings up memories of my mother yelling my name. So uh, if you ever want to see me flash back to childhood, if you're around me, all you have to do is go, Christopher! And I'll immediately be snapped back to that uh, to those many, many moments in my childhood when my mother wanted me to do something. Or uh, show up. Just show up. But uh, I, when my punk band, the Nihilistics, got underway, around about 1981-82, and we were putting out our first record, which was a five-song EP, we decided that on the back cover, no last names. No last names. This is a punk rock thing to do. Punk rock, NYHC, whatever you want to call it. So I became Chris T. A name that has stuck to this day. A name that worked on the radio. So I started using it when I showed up at WFMU in the mid-80s. I still think of myself as Christy. It has nothing to do with thinking I'm Christ-like. No, 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 no. It was simple expediency and, and the cards that I was dealt. My, my last name starts with a T. And uh, then the next letter is an S. It's a Greek thing. And, and no one knows how to say it, how to pronounce it, what to do with that S smushed up against that T. And they all take... Uh, they take a stab at it, and most of them get it wrong. And you have to just tell them the T is silent. So even though I'm Chris T, my last name starts with like an S sound, if you say it out loud. It's all very bizarre. But my name did one thing to me. It made me think quite a bit about Christ, who he was, what he did, the supernatural aspects of his story, his impact on the world, etc. Sweet T and I were watching... The Confession Killer on Netflix. It's this new series because everything's got to be true crime. Give me some motherfucking true crime right now. I want to see shit where people are dying and for no reason whatsoever. By the way, I I just want to say that that woman, 60 years old, that architect who was killed by falling debris uh, near the corner of 49th and 7th Avenue, uh, I hope your family just sues that building owner out of existence. I, I just hope they sue those people out of existence. That's that's what they deserve because they were cited. They were cited. The New York City building department went and cited them and said, that, guess what? The facade above your 15th floor is crumbling and it's unsafe and you need to install a sidewalk shed. And they never did because, you know, like, why are we going to spend thousands of dollars doing that? And then this woman dies. Boom. And just a few days before Christmas, her three kids left without a mom, and her husband's left without a companion, and her parents are left without a daughter, and her brothers and sisters are left without a sister because some cockroach, some human cockroach, has decided to save a few dollars. Well, I hope it costs you your company, you... You blot on society. So we're watching The Confession Killer on Netflix, and and it's all about Henry Lee Lucas. You remember this guy, right? With the droopy left eyelid, and then and the, and the affect of like, yeah, yeah, that guy's definitely a serial killer. There's no doubt. Like you just look at him and go, oh my god. There's uh, waves of stink coming off of him because he never washes and. But uh, this new series is about, well, did he actually kill all these people he said he killed? Or was he just like, this is great. They're giving me strawberry milkshakes. They're taking me out everywhere. I'm getting to go on a plane. I mean, I I never flew on a plane. So Henry just keeps confessing and confessing and confessing. And and speaking of confession, it made me think of like the, you know, the, 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 the Catholic ritual of confession and going into a a booth next to another booth with a priest in it, member of the clergy, confessing your sins, and what a bizarre thing that was to do. But 
Henry Lee Lucas mentions accepting Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. And again, I wonder, I mean, couldn't you have done that before you murdered all those people? Because Christ says, you know, thou shalt not murder. That's one of the commandments. Somebody said it, God, Jesus. But uh, Jesus is apparently like one of those services you call in after a decomposing body is found in a hotel room. He cleans up the mess in your heart. Cleans it all up. Unfortunately for me, I've never had much luck believing in the supernatural. So the resurrected Jesus holds no appeal for me. Roll away the stone, my ass. Either Jesus had a twin brother or those early disciples were tripping balls on Urgot of Rye. Now, Urgot of Rye is a fungus among us. It's a humongous fungus among us. Shout out to AOD. Uh, it grows on rye, and it causes all these symptoms. You know, there's paralysis, there's foaming at the mouth. It, it, essentially, it acts like almost like LSD on you. It makes you trip and see things. And, and, and so I think all the supernatural crap in the Bible were these guys tripping balls. Imagining stuff. This just, we just, yeah, 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 yeah. I saw Jesus. Yeah, he's not dead anymore. He's back. He's better than ever now. See, I always thought natural Jesus is good enough. He said some really important things. And, and whether or not he was God's kid, it doesn't enter into it for me. You can appreciate the teachings of Christ without buying into the virgin birth and the eventual zombie Jesus. And I also find the whole concept of pie in the sky by and by to be deeply troubling. Heaven, heaven doesn't exist, or at least I'm not willing to gamble on it existing. So let's get our rewards here on earth while we can. And I mean the rewards that come from having good health and good friends and companionship and love. And from being a decent citizen, who's of use in the community, a productive person. That's what I'm striving for. Not earthly rewards, like the, the gifts we exchange at this time of the year, though I'm not turning down any gifts, please. But it's five days to Christmas, so... Our gift-giving, uh, gift by the way, is not on uh, Christmas Day. It, it, so for somehow, Sweet Tea and I, we sort of... Uh, and I guess her family did this too. That may be why. But my family distributed the gifts on Christmas Eve. It always seemed to be better to do it then than on Christmas morning. You could have a party. You could gather. You could make some really good food. You could set out some beverages. You could uh, put on some music. Turn on the lights. Hunker, hunker into this tiny little living room together with your aunts and uncles and cousins and your mother and your father and your brothers and your sisters. I mean, who who does that in the morning, on Christmas morning? I always thought that was bizarre. Who wants to wake up early to deal with presents? But we would make a party of it. We'd gather in the living room. We'd hand out whatever was under the tree. And, and the reason for the milk crates and the, and the platform on the milk crates was so you could shove the presents underneath because... That was somehow easier, I guess, than piling the presents up underneath the tree. There were so many presents because there were five kids in my family and then my mother and father and then my grandmother and my aunt and cousins and uncles. And and it just got to be where my... I guess somebody came up with this, like, we got to elevate this goddamn platform. We need room beneath this Christmas tree. That's the only way we're going to make this work. So they did this thing, and, it, and they would, we would shove the gifts in next to the milk crates, just fill it in so you couldn't really tell that there were milk crates anymore. It just looked like uh, this tree on this platform about a foot and a half above the, the floor, and then presents all shoved under the tree. That's, that's, that's how we did things. But... 
when we would gather on Christmas Eve, somebody would be designated to fish the packages out and read off the name on the tag, and either you would bring the gift to the recipient or you would hand it over if the recipient came to you. So sometimes in our family, this whole thing was basically all about how old the person was. If they were young, they were expected to get up off their ass and come over and get the goddamn gift from you and take it back to their seat where you would ooh and ah over them as they opened it up, tear the packaging off. Some people would just shred the gift wrap and then toss it aside. Other people would be like, oh, maybe I can save this piece of gift wrap. Let me open this carefully. So in our family, this process took several hours. Oh, and if they were an older person, I was expected to bring them the gift. And they would sit there and nurse their drink and open up their present. Ooh, thank you. But this process took several hours because each person was supposed to have that optimum moment in the sun to unwrap the gift, open the box, pull the thing out, show it off. We would make our comments. We would move on to the next person. I was always good at keeping this equitable distribution in mind. No one got two gifts in a row. I'd, I would work methodically, making sure every round included everyone in attendance. Now, someone else would gather up the torn and shredded wrapping paper. That wasn't my responsibility. And still others would ferry drinks and food from the kitchen to the living room. Soft, crappy holiday music would play in the background. We'd all look much better under these forgiving Christmas lights. No harsh overhead lighting. Everything and everybody took on a glow. And that was before my customary imbibing of booze proffered boldly by a relative or sipped on the sly by me. Yeah, sure, I'll run into the kitchen. Let me go get it, ma. Glug, 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 glug. A little bit of eggnog. Oh, yeah. We made the most of those Christmas Eves. We stayed up late. We tucked into our toys. Then uh, we either put them back in their boxes, shoved them back under the tree. Sometimes you'd take a small one back to your bedroom with you. So you could look at it. At night, you could just stare at it until you fell asleep. My new goddamn Hot Wheels. And on Christmas Day, it was well understood. Don't get between me and my new shit. Great that Christ was born and all, but I'm trying to put together this Hot Wheels track. It's not easy. I doubt there'll be any Hot Wheels this year, but I'm sure Sweet Tea has some nice surprises in store for me, and I hope someone you love gives you something that reminds you how much you mean to them. Thank Jesus for that. No, really. So silently and unaware 
Tell me, can you hear me? 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 No, I can't hear you. Can you hear me? Oh, that's better. This was always my favorite Christmas song, by the way. It's not technically a Christmas song, but it is called Christmas. Ah, uh, except for uh, this part. Yeah, we all heard that before. We don't need to hear that again, do we? Chris T. Here on Aerial View on the HoundNYC.com until uh, 7 p.m. That's just eight more minutes, so let's do this. Let's uh, open the phone lines once more. 760 I call AV, 760 5528. 760 I call AV, seven, uh, not two V's, one V. 760 I call AV, 760 If you want to make a phone call to Santa, now is your chance. I will play the role of Santa, and you could be you and ask for whatever the hell it is your heart desires. That's what we'd like to know. And then uh, we'll do a little upside-down update. Yuletide edition. And uh, wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And hope that your 2020 is just wonderful. Just the best 2020 that it could possibly be. And that we don't end up in a civil war in this country. Or... uh, going completely down the tubes that's I'm going to keep it simple for 2020 I just hope we don't go completely down the tubes down the goddamn tubes (sighs) again the number here is 760-I-CALL-AV 760-422-5528 and uh, we managed to shake a, a call out of the trees hello welcome to Aerial View Am I on the web? You are on the web. Where are you calling Whee! from? Portland. Portland, Oregon. I think I know who this is. Phil. Is this Phil? How are you, man? Phil. Yeah. I realized yeah. today something. You know what I realized? Yeah. No. We share a, a last initial. Like, I'm Chris T. <laughs> you're Phil T. You know, we could be Honestly. the could be in a band, the T's. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We finally had something in common. I know, because we're, we're otherwise we're fairly opposite people. It sounds like. I mean, I don't. Ah, I'm just no. no. You there's seem a, there's a lot of you seem fit over. and like a family man, like a dad kind of guy. Well, no. 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 Uh, I never made any kids. I have a stepson. Oh, okay. Well, that's but listen. I never... You don't have to make them to be a to be a dad to be a good father. No, but there is. But there is a certain something that's got to be in your spirit to want to make people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Well, it's called uh, survival. <laughs> it's not very yeah. complicated, Phil. I mean, the drive to reproduce is a fairly basic one. Uh, yeah. The race, you know, you're meant to be self-perpetuating. Human kind. Guys like, guys like you and me, we think a little bit further, and we, 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 real, we realize the bigger picture, that we don't need to make more of us. Well, I don't know. I think sometimes, especially when you look at people who uh, collect great wealth around them, it's to insulate them from ever having to die. You know, they're trying to guarantee their immortality and make sure their kids can survive generation after generation. That's why they call it generational wealth, you know, because they don't ever want to leave the face of the planet. And and that's ego, you know, that you never want to die because dying is a part of life. Didn't they teach us anything in the Tibetan Book of the Dead, Phil? Didn't they? I don't know, man. All right. Well, the the idea that death is somehow apart from life is we've been trying to disprove that for a long time, Phil. It's a natural part of the cycle of life. And so these people who amass this great wealth and meanwhile fuck over the rest of us, it's not necessary. Stop being so afraid of dying is what I would say to them. But, Phil, right. you didn't call for any of that. You called with your call to Santa. So what is it you wanted to say to Santa? Um, I just called to contribute to the show, but I'll, I'll, I'll go along with the gag. 
Hey, Santa? thanks again. As you as you're really good at doing, <laughs> Phil. Thanks for putting a pin in the in the bit. Thanks for pointing out the complete <laughs> complete plasticity of the whole concept and how completely artificial and fake it is. But you're really good at that. And then I'm 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 just gonna double down when you do that every time. So now that we've no, pointed out. What Phil did there. I did that years ago. It's hard for it's hard for me to role play. You did this Father's Day thing about twenty seven years. And you haven't ago, recovered from that up. yet, have you? Still <laughs> upset about that. Not uh, upset, but yeah. No, uh okay, I'm gonna answer the phone. So phone goes ring ring. Hey, hello, North Pole, this is Santa. Hi, Santa. I thought you knew everybody's name. Sir, you sound like an adult man. Children are supposed to be calling here. What 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 can I help you with? You called me Paul. Did I not pay the reindeer food bill? Is that what you're calling? Yeah, this is really really hard for me, man. Jesus, you really can't improv at all, can you? Just you're just a utter <laughs> You better hope in twenty twenty that your improv skills get better. That's what I would if someone yeah, was nice I, I, and they loved you, they would give you some improv uh, classes to take. They're in Portland. They must have them. Come on, uh, Phil. What are you going to do for the holiday? Are you home with your fa- with your family? Are you uh, traveling? Are you on the road? What are you doing? This is the first time in my fifty six years of existence that I will um, not be with family. Mm-hmm. I'll just be with my wife. Okay. And will you yeah. be at home or elsewhere? Yeah, we're going to be home. Okay. Gonna, I I have a full day of of. of ideas i, I want to just make a list of games that that we should play board games just the two of us all day really cool. that sounds really yeah. great wow yeah that sounds very cool all right well enjoy that lovely christmas i'm gonna say goodbye phil all right man you take care, take care and uh thanks again for listening to aerial view on the houndnyc.com this show will replay on tuesday at 6 p.m new Shows Fridays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. New Hound shows Sundays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. All times Eastern. Do I have to keep saying Eastern Time? It really drives me nuts that I have to keep saying that. Hound shows on uh, Sundays. And then followed by Crash in the Party at 5 p.m. on Sundays. With Mark and Miriam, the doo-wop chop shop of the air. And I'm about to run out of road. So I wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year. And uh, remind you that this show is also available as a podcast. Wherever you get podcasts, Google uh, Play and Apple Podcasts and all that crap. See you soon. Merry Christmas. You're listening to the HoundNYC.com. Hound shows, 3 p.m. Sundays, crashing the party, 5 p.m. on Sunday. New aerial view every Friday, 6 p.m. Replays on Tuesday at 6 p.m. Available as a podcast wherever you get those things.